Thousands of years before the dawn of civilization, evil magicians fought for supremacy. And what of Kotep, the Scarlet Sorcerer? What has the mightiest magician of all time accomplished since he vanished from the museum? The scarlet-clad villain has withdrawn into the half-world of magic. Here in a fantastic castle of shimmering crystal, he reigns supreme. Listen. I want to show you a trick mother showed me when you weren't around. Welcome to Spellburn, a podcast covering the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game and old-school adventuring. It's time to party like it's 1974. week on the show, we welcome special guest John Marr, creator and head wizard at Purple Saucer Games. We'll be asking John about some of the best third-party DCC RPG adventures ever published. Those are his, by the way. As well as his uber-useful family of DCC RPG online tools and mobile apps. John, welcome to the show, and thank you for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a real privilege, guys. I'm Judge Jim, and with me tonight are my best judges forever, Judge Job. Hey, everybody. Judge Jeffrey. Hey, everyone. And the lovely and talented Judge Jen. <laughs> Hello, guys. What do you say we move this over into the tavern? And the first rule of bartending is this. GBTB. Go beyond the book. Go beyond the book. What do you have? Heineken. <laughs> that tavern talk. So, those of you that I didn't personally game with, what did we do in gaming this past week? Job, you want to lead us off? Uh, sure. Um, I went to a con this weekend, go play Northwest. Um, so that that was fun. Um, I picked up some uh, things that I've been wanting to get. They have this uh, awesome tradition of, of having a free table. And um, somebody dropped off the uh, DCC free RPG day. Uh, module the the blood box one holy crap yeah nice. so there was one copy of that and i had just happened to not to miss uh, free rpg day this year and i was like oh, i'm gonna have to get on ebay or something but um luckily i picked that one up um and uh played in a dcc funnel um, that's i've done that for the last three years i think so uh, run by so you got oh, to sorry. play yes i actually got to play dcc which was awesome um, so there was a big table this year. It, for some reason we like in four hours, I think we made like, made it through about four rooms. If that makes <laughs> sense. Oh, <geez. laughs> yeah. Our group was kind of, uh, you know, pulling in opposite directions and we just didn't get too far. Um, 
But so that was fun. And uh, then I ran, you know, that Lamentations thing I was working on. Um, and that was interesting. Oh, so, and I got I got a copy of Fight On also, like Fight On um, number four or something with like a compilation, a bunch of stuff in there. So that, that looks pretty cool, too. Very nice. So was that a playtest, your Lamentations game you ran? Yeah, it was a playtest. It, it, it went pretty well. Um, they got to the end and everyone was like, what the hell? When they sat down, I was like, if, you know, it's early enough. You guys can be in the play test credits if you want. And they're like, oh, cool. And they all wrote down their names. And I was like, you can erase it at the end if you want. And so, <laughs> so when they got to the end, two people erased their name. And uh, oh, wow. One person said, can I, can I use a pseudonym? And I said, sure. And they came up with a name. I was like, as long as it's not somebody else's name, like real name that you're trying to uh, hard time. <laughs> Well, I guess it's a good thing it's a playtest because yeah. that saves me the awkwardness of asking what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> that sounds good. Wow. <laughs> Jeffrey has the most chaotic DCC group on earth. Oh, it's going great. We, uh, Like I said, we would had a, a three-week break. We got back into it this past week, which was great. Um, they are – Coming to probably, we probably have a series of about two to three climaxes coming up in this phase of the campaign, and they have ventured off through the sewers of the great city to uh, tackle the Overlord. And this is with the high level portion of the group, and uh, it was ever bit chaotic, and uh, it was a good time. And we had the the session ended with a um, the Overlord and his elite entourage had teleported him out of what seemed to be surely his doom. Uh, so that left the group, you know, ah, how, how do you get away? And so everyone's all, all stoked to play this coming up week. In fact, I sent out the event invite. I used the Google plus event tool to schedule these things. And, uh, within five minutes of me posting that this morning, I had four of the five accepted ready to play. So, uh, <laughs> should be pretty cool. Uh, it, that went real well. So that, that was pretty much my DCC gaming for the week. Well, Miss Jen. Miss Jen, you've been out on the road with your pirate shanty group. Uh, yes, uh, for a very, uh, very warm show in Peoria, Illinois, last weekend. Um, it, it was nice. Um, still bummed about missing out on free RPG day, but you know, as I mentioned, the crew was really good about saying, "Hey, you can run us through something." So we went out in style and played in the. Uh, downstairs guest area of the Super 8 in Peoria, Illinois. And I got to run a few uh, few more uh, funnel deaths. That, that was fun. Um, <laughs> uh, they were so enthused about it that they were actually asking for another game the following night so they could level their characters up. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then... On our way home, we, of course, passed through Cincinnati for the evening and got to spend some good time with Judge Jim. And, yeah, that that was a blast. I, I'm still giggling as I look over those character sheets for Mutant Crawl Classics. Well, you, you <laughs> stepped into my post-apocalyptic parlor and there were no character deaths, as I recall. Yeah, I was pretty surprised about that, too. What happened, Jim? Oh, uh, they just played really smart. I, I, th- I, th- I think I think the closest uh, we came to character death was uh, Jen had a okay. Sorry to get into this, but a mutant cherry tree named Barbados who uh, had 
plasticity and got caught by a silicon life form, but uh, managed to stretch 15 feet away from her caught limb and do some damage. It, it was very, very entertaining. Um, and then yesterday, you know, we got home Friday night, went straight over to the gaming store first thing Saturday, and I ran the Free RPG Day adventure to close out our our beloved store that um, is closing its doors after about seven years. So, so it's been kind of a mixed bag this week, some ups and downs on gaming. That's sad, but I saw on Facebook where you snagged a lot of uh, cool DCC product that you're yeah. going to hand out. I had to save the orphans, yes. <laughs> John, what you, you know, do in gaming I'm, this week, Mr. Purple just, Saucer? I've been living vicariously through everyone else. You know, it's uh, the um, uh, my son is all over me. I got to get. Actually, we're getting fairly close to being able to test one of the adventures to play test. So I'll be doing something. But uh, I've been super, really busy with regular work too, and and so it's been kind of crazy but you know looking up for the future but yeah but it's like that's why i love i mean i one thing i love about google plus is that when people put up all the reports and because you really can you can kind of experience when especially when they put up pictures and show everybody i mean that's just i, I just love that so that that was pretty much my gaming experience for the week uh, the adventure that you're play testing is that something forthcoming from purple saucer uh yes yes it'll be the the finally getting around to the uh, first um emissaries adventure against the vortex temple and so if any, if any of you played um, Lair of the Mistmen, there's kind of like a bad guy at the end that it kind of links to. So finally getting pretty close on that one. It'll definitely be coming out this summer. So Very nice. My uh, last seven, seven calendar days have been four RPG sessions, two of which were six hours long each. So I was sharing <laughs> off air. I think my gaming addiction is getting a little out of hand. Uh, on free RPG day, uh, Rick Hull ran us through Elzaman's Drinking Blood box, then... Adam uh, Muskevich and his wife Katie came down from Ypsilanti and ran us through a Metal Gods of Ur Haddad game, which was awesome. It was a playtest or something he's written. What, what was that name again? Cool. <laughs> uh, Muskevich? Gesundheit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that, and I'm like, hi, I. I I'm explaining my dyslexia and how I struggle with it. And he's, yeah, he's like, I just thought you guys were giving me a hard time and being bastards <laughs> about it. And I'm like, when Job mispronounces your name, that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I, he can say it. I actually well, I have miss- a disability too. I can't not poke fun at people for <laughs> <laughs> adolescent reasons. I'll have to check my DSM four and find out what that diagnosis is, Job. <laughs> But uh, And then uh, when the uh, Brinkmans came through town, we ran a one-off uh, Mutant Crawl Classics on Wednesday, uh, which was a lot of fun. I just whipped it all up at the last minute. And in one game session, Michael Curtis, in uh, one of his Stonehell adventures, has an encounter called Encounter of Questionable IP. And uh, Wednesday night, we managed to run a DCC adventure that stole stuff from When Worlds Collide, Jurassic Park, <laughs> King Kong, um, Back to the Future, and a lot of Doctor Who. All crammed into one night. It was great fun. It sounds like a good time. And uh, Mr. Bittman, last night, my regular crew of mutant murder hobos went through a uh, post-apocalyptic reskinning of uh, Glipkaro's Gambit. And they are, which oh. 
took a lot of less uh, work than I thought. I went, I put a lot of effort and spent a lot of time reskinning Intrigue at the Court of Chaos for the post-apocalyptic future, but Glip Caro ran pretty straightforward. I didn't have to do much. I was doing it all on the fly. <laughs> yeah, it's got some weird stuff in there already. So, I, I that first encounter, I thought I thought he had a chance because he got his magic shield up, but apparently that what that didn't do any good when one of my characters has got a sixty-six Mazer rifle. It took him out one shot. Bam. Wow. Yeah. Wait, no. what did you do? <laughs> How did you reskin the gate? Oh, I can't talk I was, about I that was on air. About that. I can't, I can't talk. <laughs> Jen was asking me about that. I can't talk about it on air because they're not to that yet. They spent a lot of time dorking around with the snow apes. Um, oh, okay. They, they, I don't know half if the party wanted to, to kill them and, and loot their <laughs> and the other half wanted to um, befriend them and get them to join the party. And the two halves <laughs> of the group were having a contest. So, but. Uh, I, they were told up at front that uh, the uh, – I see, i got to not spoil the adventure and for my players and not do spoilers for your adventure. They were told that, uh, that they're, they've been sent on this mission by a neutrally aligned artificial intelligence, and they were told that prime numbers are antithetical to neutrally aligned AIs. Oh. So when they get to the gate, they'll, they'll have a, a slight variation on the problem you presented. Okay. Clever. I get you. I'll report back on that later. So, uh, I think it's time to summon some emails, but uh, before we get to that, we have a Spellburn special report. This is a Spellburn special report. Hi, this is Judge Jim, and I'm here with a special Spellburn report. I'm sitting in Gateway Games in Cincinnati, Ohio, with Adam Miskevich. Oh, so well. You got it. Who drove down here from Ypsilanti. Oh, man. Two for two. For free RPG day. And ran us all through an adventure in the Metal Gods of Ur-Hadad campaign. Three for three. Well done. (laughs) So, thanks for coming down. Oh, it was a blast. I was happy to. Um, Todd invited us, you know, quite a while ago, so it was um, it was just a matter of finding the right time to come down. And Free RPG Day was it. So uh, that adventure you ran us through last night was a playtest. You said we were the second group. To yeah, go the, through it? the official Metal Gods group was the first group to go through it. Um, it's something that I'm um, cooking up. Uh, not sure when we're seeing a release on that. It's got, got to do a little bit more playtesting on it. But um, uh, lots of eight men, uh, eight men in a in a. Um, temple. It was fun. Uh, it's been one of those adventures that it's just deadly enough that people have to think really hard to uh, to come up with creative ways to solve their problems. Does the adventure have a name yet, or it does? But I'm a little afraid of it giving too much away. So, oh, right, yeah. right, right. Like so, frozen in time. Yeah, right. I mean, you kind of you figure out a thing or two about frozen in time when you hear the name. So um, we're gonna we're gonna play that one close to the vest right now. But, it, I mean, we played in a fantastic adventure, lots of jungle, lots of danger. Lots of jungle. Yeah. Ancient temples. Uh, am I safe in calling them Elder Gods? Well, I don't know if Elder Gods would be the right term. There was a lot of, like, like Lovecraftian influence there. I'll, I will readily admit to that. I, that's kind of my bag anyway. So, you know, that was uh, it's very much something that I let slip into my uh, my games regularly. So very Robert E. Howard, Edgar Rice Burroughs. You're not sure if it's an alien or a god or what. You're yeah, like. yeah, exactly. That's kind of that's that's the kind of thing I enjoy. Yeah, appendix in. I love it. For listeners that haven't been exposed to either the fanzine or uh, your personal games, can you give us a quick little overview of the Urhadad? Absolutely. Milieu. Um, yeah. Uh, what um, what we like to do with the Metal Gods campaign is we like to play games that play like the that uh, play like the cover of a good metal album 
Like they they belong on the cover of a good metal album. Right like on. if you picked up, you know, uh, 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 an Iron Maiden album, you know, this would be that adventure. Or you know that we really want to um, just turn the turn the dial up a little bit. You know, have the adventure be really like visceral and. Uh, like still reflecting the Appendix N stuff, but for us the Appendix N is also things like Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden, Saxon. You know, it's uh, so weird that you said that because you just showed me a Wayne Snyder drawing that he knocked out yesterday. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, well, this is you, this is a great deal until Wayne graduates to doing album covers, I know, right? and you lose it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Wayne. I yeah. He's he's kind of like a hidden treasure. I shouldn't be talking about how awesome Wayne. I should totally talk about how awesome Wayne is because he's fantastic. And he's a great collaborator, awesome guy to work with. Uh, him and uh, Edgar Johnson both they're fantastic guys to work with because we're all on like tuned to the same wavelength. Uh, and even if like we miss just a little bit, we can like um, you know someone will say hey, but what about this and just tweak it just right and uh, and things come out fantastically. Wayne uh, knocked the first issues art, art out of the park. Um, that's been the holdup on the second issue has been art because Wayne um, found himself a little busy uh, at the time when he was doing the first issue he was also kicking out art for Raphael Chandler uh, for I think he was doing some stuff for Jack Shear I'm not sure but he was just um, he was a busy guy it was a slow season for his job so he was able to just do art left and right now he uh, he had to skip out on our free RPG day yesterday just to get some stuff done. But as a result, I've got pictures today, so very pleased with those. It's really exciting. Yeah, I won't clog up your interview with giving Doug Kovacs a hard time for not coming down here. Oh yeah, you shouldn't. I'll you say shouldn't. I'll save that for the regular part of the show. That's a good idea. Yeah, um, Doug Kovacs, who did not show up today, uh, <laughs> uh, should receive plenty of uh, of trouble. But you know, we can not worry about that now. I mean. So, uh, second issue of Metal Gods of Ur Haddad is coming out when? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, when, as soon as um, we finish layout, we're in the layout stages for that right now. Um, okay, so you got it. Yeah, it's it's pretty. All, it's all done as far as the sorry, as far as the writing goes. It's just a matter of getting all the art and everything in, in together. And unfortunately, that was the big holdup in the first issue as well. The uh, the roll all of the dice tables the roll all the funky dice tables took forever I don't think we've got anything that's that difficult to translate into a you know um, half letter size medium this time um, but you know Wayne's still got a lot of art to kick out and um, laying it out with the pages uh, I like to do that at the same time Wayne's giving me art because then I can say hey Wayne I've got this page I've got these margins fill it up and he will um, the neighborhood generator is it the neighborhood generator uh, or I think it was the gang generator page. If you look at the, that in the first issue, mm-hmm. Wayne does this really cool vignette, you know, where you know you, you've got these awesome like side views of different things going on in the streets of Ur Haddad. Uh, he did that because I couldn't make the tables work. But for old school guys, that's pure gold it, because my favorite illustrations in the Monster Manual. But yeah, AD&D the margin drawers. Yeah, you know Dave Sutherland just filling up space. Yeah, and those are that's well, and that was one of those things we couldn't get. We just couldn't make the tables work. And um, Wayne asked me like, "Hey, what's the holdup, man?" I was like, oh, "I just can't make this work." He said, "Send it to me. Uh, well, we can totally like do, do this old school style. We'll fill in the margins. We'll you know like illuminated manuscript this thing, and it, it worked perfectly. Hey. So now now that's what I'm going to do like, <laughs> most of the time. Like any kind of layout issue, just hand it to Wayne, fix it, and he'll you don't have it. to apologize to me for being a writer that has to call an artist to the rest. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's uh, it's the best use of space. It's extra art, right? So, so second issue is forthcoming sometime soon. Sometime soon, and uh, the third issue should actually be um, uh, follow on its heels pretty quickly. We've already getting a lot of writing on that done. Um, so those, I, 
definitely this year, <laughs> those two. Can you give our listeners just a couple of little tidbits about what to look forward to? Absolutely. The, the second issue is um, uh, the subtitle of the issue is Secrets of the Serpent Moon, um, where you'll be going to one of the two moons of, uh, of the planet Or of, uh, that Or Haddad is on. Saying that it's a serpent moon should probably get you, uh, and knowing full well that oh, we do. That are, you showed me. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> so all coming together now. Man with the moon in the background. Yeah, that was it. Um, Good job, Wayne. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the third issue, uh, we don't have a subtitle for that yet, but it's actually going to be more like more city crawl stuff, uh, a little bit more uh, probably you know involving politics and things, um, which I know those, that kind of tends to be like a, a, a third rail of gaming because you don't want to get into like uh, railroady stuff but uh you know we promise to basically just in in our adventures the adventures that we put in the zine we're not going to give you like an adventure we're not going to tell you go point a to point b to point c um and even or even give you a map you know um so you can get there on your own uh what we would like to do is just give you the tools that you give the um the judges of dcc tools that they can make their own adventure you know so with a sandbox the that we've already made yeah but yeah. they get to decide what shape sandbox exactly you know and then you know um obviously with uh with It'd be, you know, uh, we're kind of adding our flavor to it. So it's more like, uh, we're more like a seasoning package than, you know, a recipe, you know, like this, throw this stuff in there, mix it up the way you want to do it, you know? So that's the great thing about DCC. It has this universal appeal where those of us who have favorite genres can adapt it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It really is. Um, I, I've seen so many people do so many different things. I mean, my my take tends to be more like the the sword and sorcery, or even the sword and sandals kind of thing, you know, um, with a little bit of like uh, metal herlant thrown in there, or you know, um, <laughs> if not heavy metal, more more metal herlant than than heavy metal. Uh, you know, other people might dig like the elves and elminsters kind of play, but that's that's not my bag. So I want to go more back to the Ari Howard, C. A. Smith kind of stuff. That's that's what I enjoy more. Well, so. the uh, best compliment I can pay you, no spoilers about last night's adventure was as it was rolling along I'm like yep stealing that stealing that that taking that yeah you were saying that at breakfast that's pretty awesome I'm very uh, uh, flattered by that that's really cool Um, I appreciate that you want to steal stuff from me I love when people steal stuff from me Um, before we finish up let's make sure and get your uh Kickassistan website. Yep, uh, the address. blog is uh, Dispatches from Kickassistan, which you can find at kickassistan.net. Okay, fantastic. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Adam. Yep. You've got mail. Message for you, sir. Summon email. Okay, let's do some emails, and thank you, uh, Adam, for both coming down, visiting, and doing that interview with us. First email seems to be from Doug Kovacs, and uh, yeah, you guys should really enjoy this one. Uh, He says, I can never think of a question for you guys that I can't answer myself. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So here's an answer. Each of you can tell me what the question is. Answer number one is... Because dwarf blood is thicker than cat bile. Judge Jim? Oh, so this is like Jeopardy. Okay, uh, because dwarf blood is thicker than cat bile. What is the reason dwarf meat packing plants have to buy the extra strength kitty litter? Oh. Oh, oh God. Um, hmm. Judge Job, do you have anything for that one? I, I think I can beat Jim on this one, so... Uh, 
how does a vampire feed when his dwarf and his cat fall into a blender? Um, it uses a centrifuge because dwarf blood is thicker than cat bile. Nicely done, sir. Very good. Very sensical. Yes. Judge Jeffrey, you want to give that one a shot? Oh, shoot. Uh, let's see. Um, it, it just lays claim to the, the family bond of the dwarves being even thicker than the cat bile. That's all I've got for it. Yeah, we were right along the same lines there. Yeah. So. Well, oh, I got one uh, more. Oh, all right. How you can tell what just fell into the swamp in the sunken city. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of what do you get when you let Dove Kovach, Doug Kovach send in questions? <laughs> <laughs> Doug goes on to say, if you don't like that one, try this. Answer being the eyes of the overworld. And for some reason, I'm leaning towards Judge Job on this one. Okay. Um, he went all Jack Vance uh, on us. You got this one. Uh, I was thinking, um, the question is, how can Doug sneak a penis reference into the Spellburn mailbag? Because all the people who um, Google Eyes of the Overworld that don't know it's a Jack Vance story will arrive at the Wikipedia page where there's a cover with gigantic mushrooms that are very Kovacian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Asked and answered. Well done. Yes. Uh, he says, I could probably keep going. Let me know if you want an easier answer. You know, I, I, I think we're good on answers for now. <laughs> <laughs> he could probably keep going, and he will. Exactly. <laughs> How about another email? Uh, next one comes from Michael Thompson. Hey, Spellburners. Thanks for answering my previous questions. My group ended up only having one level two character by the time we got to Sailors, so I ended up not having to do any serious modifications. That being said, it was a blast. I have to thank you guys for it, because I probably wouldn't have picked it up if you hadn't talked it up so much. Uh, my question this time is about the Goodman Games Kickstarters. Do you guys think all of their modules will now be done in a Kickstarter format? I personally hope they aren't. Don't get me wrong, I loved the Chain Coffin Kickstarter and all the goodies it's come with, but I simply can't afford to shell out that sort of cash every time a new module comes around. I also don't assume all other gamers can afford it either. If they do too many, I'm worried not all the stretch goals will be met and we will miss out on some of the really cool stuff. Personally, I would like to see them only do it once in a while so everyone can open up their wallets and we can all see the stretch goals met rather than just some of them each time. Then again, I could be wrong, and I really hope I am. How do you guys think it should be handled in the future? Keep up the great show. Well, that's kind of a mixed bag. I, I, I suspect that Joseph listens to the show, so I'm sure he's going to hear that feedback and take it under advisement. I have no idea what uh, the Dark Master has planned for us. Probably something dark and evil. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I mean, uh, at, at, at the GaryCon um, talk, he, he said that, um, you know, that... It looks, you know, they're exploring exploring Kickstarter um, to be able to, you know, make cooler things. Um, the the modules are always going to be for sale. Um, I think it's some form that you don't have to be part of the Kickstarter for. Exactly how that's going to work, I, I don't know. I mean, well, right. I mean, because yeah. in the first Kickstarter, it said that the module's coming out in its normal form regardless. The Kickstarter was just for the extra stuff, so it's win-win. If the Kickstarter had somehow failed, we would have still gotten the regular module. 
So, yeah, I think yeah, I think the yep. advantage of the Kickstarter is it allows them to do extra interesting things. I mean, the regular adventure is always going to come out. I think that's one of the, you know, like especially like on the chain coffin is why I could so wholeheartedly recommend it to everybody because it's, it's coming out regardless. And it's just if they get enough funds and they can do these extra really cool things, which is, um, you know, so I think I think it is a win win for everybody. Is, is, is the Gen Con schedule up yet online? Does anybody know? Event schedule? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, it's no secret that uh, there will be a what's com- what's new with Goodman Games Seminar being conducted at Gen Con, at which the future spate of modules and projects will be announced. So stay tuned for that, or if you're attending Gen Con, please go to it. And a lot of that kind of questions, I'm sure, will going to be answered as Joseph, you know, lays out the future. Yeah, I can get where... My- where he's coming from, though, I mean, there is a bit of Kickstarter fatigue I think people get. And if you're going to Kickstart every single one, you know, at some point the stretch goals will be harder and harder to hit because you're just going to have either people that, you know, aren't funded enough. I mean, Chain Coffin is awesome, I think. Uh, there's lots of cool stuff. Uh, Perils, uh, if they go Kickstarter with that, which I think there's potentially some plans for, according to one of the seminars at GaryCon, uh, I think that would be pretty awesome. But I can get where he's coming from that if you try to Kickstart every single module, there's going to be some. I'm pretty happy with it just in that, um, you know, it looks, you know, the chain coffin is going to be a box set. And I know uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of uh, box sets and um, I know people on the, on the Goodman games forums and other places have said over and over, you know, it'd be awesome if there were box sets. And I, um, I, I guess maybe Joseph didn't really, wasn't really feeling that, but I think after this Kickstarter, um, it sounds like maybe he's a little bit more interested in that. But, I think it was a definitely good way to let fans put their money where their mouth has been with the whole box set. And I'm don't get me wrong, Chain Coffin is awesome. I was in that. I mean, unbelievable deal. Uh, and I thought it was a great way to test the waters with, hey, suddenly it morphed from an adventure into a box set. Uh, and Kickstarter, I think, you know, it was probably pretty much what allowed that to happen. Otherwise, it might have been too much risk, you know, from the business standpoint. So, yeah, Kickstarter definitely had its pros in, in that to get us to that and – you know, we showed them, yeah, we'd like a box set and we'll we'll help pay for one. So, I think it'll be interesting to see how it gets out to the retailers after all of the Kickstarter rewards are sent out. You know, will it be sent out to retailers or offered to the retailers in a box form set or box set form, or will it just be the module? Yeah, that'll that'll probably be pretty interesting and probably set some of the tone for the future Kickstarters that are likely to come along too. Looking forward to it. Okay, next email. Um, We're done with emails. Yeah. Oh, that's done. it? Done. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm used to being so behind on emails. It's half the show. Yeah. So, no, we get sweet. to go to the fun stuff now. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's uh, go to why we're all here and do some Mighty Deeds. Wait a second. I have an idea. That's plenty for the both of us. I move for no man. Hey, John. Again, thank you for doing this and being on the show. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, a a quick poll of our guest request quickly would show you were the number one request. (laughs) Definitely lots of requests. You're not supposed to tell the guests that. Come on. I know. It's, I think it's Jim like, tells that to every guest, though. If we go back and listen to the logs, I'm pretty sure it's. Dude, I'm I'm, I'm sucking up before we get to the end of the show and and give our ratings to all these products. 
oh yeah because it makes me feel so special but you know it's the first thing that came to my mind it was like you know it's like you know gandalf and aragorn have you know left the prancing pony and you're left with butterbur you know <laughs> at this point but <laughs> but it's you know but yeah it's awesome and uh, it's like we have such around dcc that you know i think spellburn you know it's just a real privilege because it's like i think you you know you kind of bring everything together so thank you very much well right we're it's all the same esprit de corps uh, we do this podcast just to promote and share our love of a game system we've fallen in love with and i if i read the introduction to the omnibus correctly that's how purple saucer happened yeah definitely it's like it never you know if you know i'm like you know i'm painfully shy and so the idea of like you know the first time you're submitting something like to joseph so if i hadn't already had you know some really pleasant experiences with them being so friendly and so gracious um you know it might not have ever happened and and so that's one thing that drew me to this whole community is it was, you know, the, just from the very start, everybody's been so cool all the way around. And I think that, you know, Spellburn's a, kind of like a perfect expression of that. So, uh, John, how did you start in gaming? How far back do you go? Well, 1978 uh, is, you know, we were – and I mentioned some of these things in the omnibus, but uh, – I can remember as clear as a bell. I was in uh, seventh grade in my library at school, and and I overheard a conversation of a couple of my other friends, and and one of my friends was describing like a magic item, and I think it in high, I think it was the rod of lordly might from, <laughs> and, and he was describing how it can make and 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 something you know electric happened when I heard that. It was just like I had to find out what he was talking about. It's hard to even describe. And, you know, then, of course, you know, since I was only, what, 11 at the time, it gets a little hazy at that point uh, because I remember I was over at a friend's house and uh, he invited me over to play this new game and it was out of the white box. And, you know, we had no idea what we were doing. I think, you know, I ended up having like a 156-level paladin. And it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, you know, it was so embarrassing because, like, I, re- I clearly remember bragging about that at school, which is, you know, like the worst thing of all, you know. Uh, but then, you know, the, the more clear memory is of my mom driving me, you know, to the town next door to get the uh, blue box and uh, bringing that home. And, uh, it, you know, and it was just, you know, we had so much fun. We had, like, again, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, I remember I I didn't understand when when he was describing how you're supposed to color the die 20. And so I remember at one point we were rolling two die six and a die eight because it added up to 20. <laughs> so it's the same number. And, uh, you know, so it's like, you know, and then like I remember in that original basic rules, there was that description of you go in there and he says, yeah, if you need hirelings, you know, you can always get them at the local inn. And I was like, what in? You know, I mean, still the whole concept of what it was just so early on, the whole concept of a role playing game was just like, you know, straight out. And uh, so like, you know, but then we, we got into it and then very quickly, you know, we started getting our feet underneath us. And, you know, I remember, you know, then getting the player's handbook and the monster manual and waiting for the Dungeon Master's Guide to come out. And uh, so then it was so then we then like then, you know, everything started coming out, Gamma World and I don't think we ever played Metamorphosis Alpha, but then eventually like Top Secret and, you know, and all these games. And uh, but then uh, in the early 80s, then that's when Rule Master started coming out. And uh, when I was younger, of course, that really appealed to me, the, all the detail. And so then that became the thing for the next uh, 10 years was like I was a Rule Master evangelist, you know, trying to you know sway everybody about what a great system this is. I don't know if you've played it, but it's a very, you know, it's much more complicated. And uh 
But then when I kind of got moving back toward like the whole D&D thing was about 10 years later, I had a, there was a couple in my group in my Rollmaster campaign and he asked me, I've got a bunch of these old, you know, first edition modules, you know, can you just run, run us through some of these adventures? And, uh, I thought, well, you know, okay. Yeah. And, but then when I went and I ran those adventures, it was like, I mean, really it was like my first OSR experience because it was just, you know, again, it reminded me what, what things felt like when I was, you know, younger playing, but then also just like the, the simpler mechanics, the, the just you know just like letting it rip and 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 having a good time you know that was really appealing so then i went that's right so i'd missed all of second edition and so this is right at the very tail end of that so i bought second edition and then third edition came out we had a great time with that um uh ran a campaign for years and years running third edition but then you know as the characters got up in upper levels you know it started getting you know, like some of the monsters, you know, they'd have like two pages description for just the monster. And, and and for some people, that's fantastic. But for me, you know, that's just not how I game master. You know, I want like two or three special things and then everything else just let it react to how the players are doing. And so I could already tell then that I was already kind of like getting a little bit creaky on this really kind of crunchy approach. And then fourth edition came out, which I actually, you know, I actually kind of enjoyed. I thought there were some good things. But then, you know, eventually resolved it. You know, it was kind of like sucking the whole magic out of it. But uh, Goodman had published two fourth edition adventures that I'd purchased. And that was my first encounter with Goodman Games. And uh, so then uh, I was there on the boards when they first began mentioning about Dungeon Crawl Classics. And, and it went from there. Nice. You started a year before I did, even though I'm older than you, sir. Are you older than me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was a wargaming society, which would, you know, in, in the town that I grew up in, uh, they'd actually started, made, I mean, it, was, it was all board games, and then it transitioned over. So then once I found out about that and I started going there, that's really where, you know, there were guys who kind of knew what they were doing and that, and that's what really helped. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, I mean, it was a fascinating time because like we really didn't even know what it, what it was. And that was cool. Well, all of us on the podcast have delved or dipped our toes into uh, publishing adventures. How did uh, how did you get started with that part? Well, you know, it, it kind of started with, and I know we're going to talk about the tools later, but it started out with, uh, you know, I created the character generator. And, uh, you know, and it's actually one of the super cool things about Goodman Games is that they are so open about stuff. You know, I mean, I made... You know, I'd made tools for, like, 4th edition and stuff like that, but there was just... There was no chance of me really... You know, because it was, you know, with lawyers and all this, it was so convoluted. But with, with Goodman Games, I was able to actually, once I came up with the character generator, when I, you know, sent it off to them and I asked them if it was okay if I could put this up. And they were like, you know, they were so nice and they were so kind. Well, while I was doing this character generator, I mean, literally, I was, you know, we've all been there, you know, spitting out stacks of these character sheets. And I'm like, I really need to, one, write an adventure so I can test this with my players. And then two uh, is actually have... Um, a logical way to run multiple funnel adventures. And that's where kind of like the idea of the sunken city came from as a place where, you know, the players could all gather and then have an easy way to get out into the adventures. And uh, so then as I started working on it, you know, you know, I've been, you know, I'd been gaming for, you know, at that point, what, almost, you know, 35 years. And I'd never actually gone through the process of really 
you know, putting together an adventure in like in publishable form. And, it, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, getting it from index cards to InDesign, right? You know, yeah. yeah. And, and that, and that is different. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new world. Now, now, of course, you know, you know, professionally, you know, I do, I mean, I do lay out and design as part of what I do as my job and, you know, and I, and I write and I've been a writer and, you know, I do graphic design. And so it's like, I had all the pieces, but actually just like putting it together and, and, and I thought it was going to be this really horrible you know, drawn out experience. And it was, and it's very, hard don't get me wrong you know it's everyone who's done it they know that it's very hard but then you know as i pushed through and i got close to being done i thought you know this is actually you know this is actually pretty good i'd taken actually i'd got uh, at the the first free rpg day that i was you know aware of i picked up uh, the original free rpg offering from my local game store and so i kind of like based the the feel a little bit off of uh portal into the stars and uh you know, that's, you know, basically, you know, the, the Mad at Madaskin's dungeon is kind of like that. But, but, you know, but I got done with it and I thought, you know, this is actually pretty good. And my first inclination was to say, oh, okay, I'll just, just put it up on my website. And I thought, well, no, let's check and see what other things are possible. And so I sent it. And again, because I'd had a good experience with, with uh, Joseph Goodman before, I sent him off the adventure and asked him his advice about what I should do with it. And uh, he responded back and it was very kind. And he said, hey, this, this is actually pretty good. I'm really sort of really impressed that you could do this all in this kind of time window. And then it's the first time he mentioned to me the third party publishing uh, option. Uh, for goodness. Again, another great thing about the way they do business because there were, you know, you have, a, I, you know, I'd written kind of a fourth edition, fourth edition adventure, you know, probably about a third of the way through, but then it was like just the whole problem of like, you know, you can't just publish it yourself really, you know, all the issues with Goodman games, it was right there. So I just went and uh, after uh, just could mention that, I just got together with my wife. We sat down because I knew it's like this is kind of taking it to a whole different level. So I'd have to build a website. I'd have to come up with a identity for the company and, and do all these different things. But I finally said, you know, this 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 sounds like a really, really fun thing to do. And and uh, that's, you know, then we went from there. Well, listen, before we're going to dive down and talk more about the electronic tools and the uh, adventures themselves, but I, uh, I think all of us have some just general questions about what this feat you've pulled off that started with, like when uh, the DCC RPG rulebook was published, the whole back section were all the third-party publishers that uh, Joseph had already approved to do product, and there were a lot of those things back there. Now it's two years later. And some have done better than others, but you're standing tall, kicking out <laughs> adventure after adventure. How did you? How did you do that? Well, thank you. You know, that's uh, you know, someone once asked on the boards about like, you know, they were really nervous about publishing an adventure, and and you know, they didn't know how good it was. And I said, you know, personally. I have such respect for people who actually finish things and not only finish things, but actually put them out there for people to judge because those are both huge, huge steps uh, that, you know, like people, you know, people can write, you say, oh, you know, this stinks and the stuff I do is great. Well, well show me what you've published because <laughs> that's that's really where it meets the road. And so it's actually the completing the things that I think that that kind of elevates between you know when you're kind of playing around and when you're actually doing it, and uh, so I get I get real satisfaction from actually just finishing things. I mean, just actually getting it done. Now there have been stretches, you know, like I've you know I've went through stretches with some you know some really sketchy health recently, which has been a real you know was a real burden trying to get some things completed. But there's but I just would always try to do what I could do to move toward finishing things and actually getting them out there. And the first couple adventures, like you know that I've talked about, you know that hitting 
submit <laughs> before you like a, to set something live at like RPG now. I mean, it's like it's like a terrifying moment, you know, that you you sit there and you're just you just quiver, you know, but that's actually getting less and less and less, you know, that it's like as the more stuff you do and, you know, the more successes you have just actually completing something and then getting really good feedback from people that they've actually liked it. So I think that's what's kind of driven me along is, I mean, I really thoroughly enjoy this. Like we all know, you know, you don't you don't get rich <laughs> doing these kind of things, but there's tremendous satisfaction about because, you know, I actually went back through and, you know, it's not in a bragging sense, but just to because, you know, a lot of the accolade, you know, the people, nice things people say is probably, you know, undeserved. But I actually went back through because I was going to build like a wall of like nice things that people have said, you know, and there's literally hundreds of nice comments that I've received over the years as I've done these things. And it's, you know, which means that there's people that have actually really enjoyed what I've put out and, you know, and that makes, it really does make it worth it. And it makes it, you know, it definitely makes it worth it to push through and to actually, you know, get it done. And, uh, so I think that's one of the reasons why I've been able to like keep this going. So, so John, for your print products, do you, um, do you use, um, light source and RPG now, uh, and print through them or. Yes. That's, you know, and it's like, and I've, <laughs> I don't know if like I've had my ups and downs, you know, with that, uh, you know, cause like there, you know, there's really nice people there and, but it's like, it's kind of like, it's a convoluted two-step process you communicate with rpg now and they communicate with lightning and it goes back and forth and it's like you know and if you do everything right you know then it's no problem but if there's any sort of issues you know it's like with uh you know it's, it's like with any sort of tech support issue you know it's like if, as long as it's working you know it, there's no problems but if you have a problem then it can be you know get kind of complicated but yeah it's like and, I, and i've looked at like other options like you know working directly with printers and like when i worked i worked at a college for a number of years in the marketing department and we used to, you know, communicate directly with the printer. So it's like you'd have, like, you know, if there was an issue with something, you'd get a proof. You know, you just call the printer and you drive down to the print shop. And uh, and with uh, with the digital printing, there's big advantages. But you're also you're so removed from the process that that it can be kind of uh, annoying. But you know, up to this point, the uh, you know, like a, the number of print pieces you sell compared to your PDFs, it's like it's a it's a real dedicated part of the market that, that wants the print piece but it's a relatively small one now the the omnibus is kind of in my latest uh compilation of four adventures is kind of an exception it seems like people really wanted that print but you know but like you know the numbers are still relatively small and so you're not quite you're not quite getting up to that threshold of like you know doing a bigger run to, so it'd be more less expensive individually to print them but you know i'd love in the future at some point to actually have that kind of to have enough you know sales to justify just being able to work with the printer because I think that'd be you know a, a big advantage. It's it's pros and cons. I mean, there are still a pallet of fourth edition Metamorphosis Alpha books <laughs> yeah. sitting in a warehouse in Knoxville, Tennessee. You know, and and that's actually about the whole the whole business model of doing this kind of like third party publishing thing is is like that there was no expense other than my time to get started. And I think that that's that that holds great appeal, even on the print things. I mean, I get it set up, and if the people want to buy it. They, you know, they order the print piece directly from the printer. So I don't have to go. I mean, it's kind of, you know, I've had people ask me, are there going to be copies of the Omnibus at uh, Gen Con? You know, and I'm like, well, you know, it doesn't, you know, for me, it costs, it costs, you know, it basically costs me as much to print as anybody, <laughs> as anybody else. I don't have like a big stack of them. And I would love to have like, you know, 30 copies or something to send off and, you know, to have one, one of somebody who's actually at Gen Con to be able to put them in the booth and to sell them. So there's, you know, you lose out on that. But as far as like, it's exactly what you said, Jim, it's like you don't have, you know, you don't, you're not investing in this big pile of stock that might not sell. So, 
John Hershberger probably thanks you for not giving him extra things to count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like I want to because you know, it's like a last year was just as I was getting close. You know, I, I just missed the deadline, or actually, I would have ordered some print pieces because if everyone knows Joseph Goodman, he made a generous offer that they would sell stuff through the the Goodman booth for third party publishers, and I desperately wanted to do that, but just kind of missed the deadline. But yeah, but I imagine you know they they weren't displeased if there was a smaller amount. <laughs> So uh, actually, uh, John, I had a question about the um, the character generator. Sure. So, how many zero levels have been created to date? Do you have this kind of statistics, or? Well, I think we're kind of blowing it out of the water now that you can do the text versions because you can do a hundred at a time. But as far as the traditional printing out the four sheets, we're over six hundred thousand characters a day. <laughs> Whoa! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of the percentage of those characters that are now dead, you've depopulated a continent's worth. I of- know it's like <laughs> at I'm least the, I'm the blood lord of the world. Yes, <laughs> no, yeah, it's just like I mean, like some people go crazy. You know, they'll come on. I remember, I mean, I used to follow a lot closer when I first put it out. You know, and I was it was so exciting. To, to, the traffic was huge, and people were coming in, and, and like there'd be people that would sit there for like you know two hours just hit and refresh. You know, creating one stack. I don't know if they were looking for like the perfect character or something but but Probably yeah my there guy's was... looking for the perfect character I, I bet it was matt i'm almost sure it would have been matt it sounds like something he would do you know so it's like i want know, an 18th street <laughs> damn it exactly and i'm gonna do it yeah and i thought you know i could just cheat and make some special version just for me you know so i could print out look what i rolled up you know but but yeah so it's like early on there was just like this tremendous 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 traffic but it's but it's What's amazing is it's just stayed consistent. It's like yes, it dropped off from, uh, you know, from the early days, but it's like, but it stayed consistent. That basically, every day, fifty people come and create characters using the character generator every day. And that's uh, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's like, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact is like that. You know, we're still a you know a young thing. I, I know you've you've talked about this previously on Spellburn. About how that even though, you know, we're getting a, a little bit under our feet, but still the community, the DCC community is still young. And so there's still a lot of new people that always come in to uh, come into DCC. And so one of the first things they learn about is like, of course, they, you know, they want to play in a funnel and then they learn about the zero level character generator and they go. And so there's just kind of this discontinuing group of people. And it's like, yeah, sometimes it blows me away that each and every day, which is one of the reasons why, you know, like last year we wanted to get some better hosting because I just wanted you know, it was. I was terrified, like, you know, because people are really starting to rely on these things. And if they uh, wanted to be able to come and say you had a convention or a demo that you and you needed to create some pregens, you know, and my previous server was kind of, you know, kind of up and down. And so I really wanted to have a good service, you know, a good server, just just so that you know the folks would always be there when they needed it. But yeah, but it's it's the try, and actually, it's increasingly now. I think it's you know it's kind of cool, is it? Like, there's more and more people use the upper level generator because as the campaigns have matured, then well, you know. I, I warned you off air that there would be fanboy and girl moments, and here comes one because I mean this is what's fantastic and really great about what you've done, John. Because I mean there, it's there are new people coming, like people who listen to Save or Die or Roll for Initiative, come check out Spellburn and get excited about DCC and and go give it a try. I mean, but there are lots of games out there with podcasts. I mean, but how many young games like DCC have like four or five fanzines and online generators and mobile apps? Well, and again, that's I think that's all Joseph Goodman, you know, because it's like that 
he created the environment for this. Like, and we know he's, like, he's kind of like this mysterious figure, you know, the dark master, <laughs> you know, that he's like, you know, he's, he's relatively terse when you talk to him. I don't, I don't, from my experience, when I email him, it's like, not like, you know, I'm like, you know, you know, chatting with Joe, you know, kind of thing. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, that, you know, it's like, and, he, and he's, he's obviously, he keeps his plans close to the vest and things like that. Uh, but in general, but he, but just the tone, I think it has to come down from, from Joseph Goodman and Harley and Doug, you know, that there's this, this sense of like sharing and community. Cause really honestly, with all the designs and, 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 you know, I could never in a million years have created the crawler's companion for, for, uh, for D and D there's no, there's no way they would have let me. I mean, you know, three right. quarters, of, <laughs> three quarters of the DCC IP is in the crawler. You know, and so, yeah, that's you know, pretty impressive. You know, so if we talk about that, you know, we'll talk about that in the tools. But but there's, seriously, I was wondering, I, I don't know if they're going to let me do this, you know, you know, because like as I started, you know, creating it. But no, but 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 just all the way around, it's just that there's just this wonderful community sense that's been engendered. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so successful. Well, thank you for doing it because we all use it all the time. Oh, thank you. Yes, I mean, yeah. Thank you. I mean, yeah. thanks. See, I mean, you're welcome. It's 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 uh, like you say. It's one of those things where it's just a, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that that I've always wanted to do. And here's a here's a forum where I could actually do it. Well, and even I mean, just to continue my gushing, it's one thing to do it and put it up, but then it's another thing to put it to do it up and continue to support it with expansions, where suddenly it's not just generating level zero funnel characters. Here's level zero funnel characters for Michael Curtis's Frozen in Time. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the customization you're willing to do. Yeah, it's like you know, you know, and again, that's just it's just another thing about it. it's a way to give back. Now, I knew when I first started um, that one of the reasons why I decided to actually publish the adventures to, to make a company and do these things is well, I mean, you got to be real about it that there's a lot of goodwill that's generated by people that come to the site and use the free tools, and uh, so that they would be like, oh, yeah, we want to thank you by buying your adventures. I mean, that that is kind of like from a sales perspective, kind of an advantage. Um, but um, but then there is like this there's there is the sense of like wanting to continue to give back and to add new things to the thing you know, to the generators because it's you know it's fun. It's something that I enjoy doing. So can you, uh, John? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, you know what are what are the most recent changes to the Corollers Companion that maybe longtime uh, users might not be aware of, or or, yeah, even, the, or even a secret preview of stuff that's not out yet? It's not, well, actually, it's like you know, well, uh, you know, one thing is is like well, the most recent changes to the Corollers Companion were that we added in uh, well the generators, which is. Um, uh, the ability. So within the crawler, you can go and you can create magic swords and you can create demons and dragons uh, out of the, the rules based in the rule book, uh, which is something that folks have, have wanted for a long time. And also added the, the uh, uh, text version of the character generator into the crawler. So you can actually just create characters right from within it. And there was actually one, one thing we, we recently, it was something that Jen requested. I believe it was you, Jen, a long time ago where you wanted the ability to be able to save your, uh, in the batch die roller, you can put in like scripts to create like the and judge that, tools. Yeah, and, and well, and that got added in on the last one. Oh, it's always cool. yeah, it's always sat there in the back of my mind because you you requested that, <laughs> and I said yeah, <laughs> that's probably the next release. You know, so a year and a half later, you know, it comes out. <laughs> but awesome. yeah, th- those are two of the latest things. But also, a lot of it's going to be set by. Uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about later. That like I'm, I'm right in the middle of doing a like a pledge drive feature for the tools. And uh, 
one thing is like, you know, I've kind of reached a plateau that, that everything that I basically everything that I originally imagined for the crawler's companion is, is, was in there. And, and the character generators were also kind of at a plateau. And I thought, well, it was a good time because I have like a pledge drive, pledge drive each year to raise money toward paying for the server costs and being able to publish to, to the iTunes store and, and also to be able to add devices to be able to, to test the crawler on, uh, to the, the testing pool. But, uh, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll just ask people, you know, as part of the pledge drive, what things do you want me to work on? So actually, uh, the, and, and so like when you give when you pledge this year, you can vote on the things you want me to work on this year. And so like Jim, the, you know, basically the things that I'm going to be working on are the things people vote on. So it's it's um, I'm very excited about that because then, then it's, it's letting people are letting me know exactly what they'd like me like to see. Well, links to all this will be on the uh, website uh, for this episode, but uh, we can go ahead and say that all these online tools and everything, most of what we're going to talk about uh, the whole podcast will be at purplesaucer.com, and the pledge drive that uh, John's currently running is at purplesaucer.com slash pledge.php. And there are like, it's not just... It's not even just give money to help support this great the development of this great tool. There's even some uh, prizes and things people can win for certain pledge levels. Yeah, you know, and because and it, it, you know, it speaks of the like this how awesome this community is. Because like when Harley, you know, he's always Harley's Harley Stroh, you know, he's always been so supportive. And uh, like last year, you know, I had some strange prizes. He says, "Well, next year, you know, let me know." You know, and I'll come up with some stuff. And and so, like, as it got close, he contacted me and said, hey, you know, your pledge drive is coming up. I got some, you know, some cool memorabilia, things that I can dig up. And I'm all, I'll also contact, you know, uh, Michael Curtis. And uh, they so they both sent me, you know, this really cool stuff. It was like a where Harley, he sent me. It's like the original um, for Colossus Arise. You know, there's a handout in there. Well, Harley did the original drawing. And uh, then he he made a bunch of notes in there to, to Doug about how he'd like him, what he'd like to do with this drawing. And so Harley sent me that and he sent me, Harley did like the original three maps for fate's fell hand. And Michael Curtis sent me three manuscripts. There were his playtest manuscripts for three of his oh, adventures. Wow. Yeah. Two of them, two of them with different titles even. And he's got like, you know, little scribbles in there, like changing hit points and stuff along the documents as he actually used and play tested them and then also signed them. And, you know, it just and, you know, it's like and I was, you know, kind of shocked and stunned about how, how cool these guys are. But then in a lot of ways, it's just par for the course with how everybody's always been. You know, it's like I'm trying to think back. I mean, I've been doing how long have we been doing this, Jeffrey? <laughs> I mean, how long? <laughs> I can really only think of like two. One or two experiences the entire time where people just weren't generous and gracious and and. uh you know, it's just it's just amazing. But, you know, but so like, yeah, so that's part of like if you give uh, if you donate more than thirty dollars, you have a chance. You know, the highest donors will be able to, to pick from this list of cool stuff. I'm also going to be throwing in uh, the final proofs of the uh, hardcover of Sunken City and the softcover of Sunken City. And I'm going to sign them. And, and, and those are things people can get. And uh, and so far, you know, people have been on this year's pledge. Drive, they've been so generous. You know, <laughs> I mean, I've had I've had some really nice pledges and uh and so we're well on our way to covering the expenses for this year in you know the first three days, and it runs through. Uh, I don't know when this pod, when the podcast will be aired, but it'll run through like the end of the next weekend after. Through the holiday weekend. 
Well, through yeah, through uh, let's see. So it's well, if this if if it comes out on like this Tuesday, it's going to run through set through Sunday. So, well, I, you and I start at the same time. There's a lot of things when I very first encountered the DCC RPG game that re-engendered in me uh, that feeling that I had back in 79 where this was something so cool I immediately want to go out and evangelize it. And I think all of us feel that way. And this thing that you're talking about with the pledge drive and stuff, there's a sense of uh, family and camaraderie in the DCC community that I don't remember except for back 30 years ago when we were all just the first, you know, the first wave of people going yeah. out convincing the world this is a cool thing to try. Yeah, that's that's totally true. And especially coming from, you know, when I first discovered DCC, um it was coming out of the whole Edition Wars Pathfinder 4E thing, which was which got so ugly. I mean, that really honestly, there was there was a part of me which is like I was just kind of kind of like go back to my go back just gaming with my family and friends, you know, and you know, not even involve myself because it, it was there was it was so nasty, and that's what it was such a different vibe, you know, on the on the Goodman Games boards. I mean, really, such a different vibe. The people were. You know, they were respectful. They were like you know, people would have disagreements, but do it in a very respectful way. And I remember during the whole beta process when people would make suggestions and stuff like that, it didn't get ugly at all. It was just like it was good, good people, you know, honestly dealing with each other. And, and then, yeah. And so then, like, of course, once the game came out, you know, we all was like, wow, this is especially like with the funnel. You know, that's that's where my main focus has been. You know, this was such a fun experience. It was just like it was like anything goes and wild and crazy and fun. And there was there was, there was a feeling that you wanted to share that, which was like I, I didn't feel that with some of the earlier stuff, the previous things. So, so the answer to my previous question of what are some of the secret new things that are going to be in the Crawler's Companion, the answer is whatever is requested in the pledge drive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's like it's actually the voting so far I because I, like I went through and I thought of like these are things that I'd like to work on and that I think I can do. And, you know, when I make it clear that it's like, you know, with, you know, my health is is, you know, is very sketchy. I've had some, you know, some issues over that have kind of progressively gotten worse over the last few years. And so it's like, I can't really set deadlines, you know, but like a, you know, like a stream wearing down a mountain over time, you know, things just, they seem to get done. You know, I've continued to add new features to the crawler, new features to the generators. You know, it happens. I just can't say how long, but what I can set, if I can't say an, a deadline i can set what a timeline is and so just people help me set a timeline so i thought of like these are like uh, i think it's 11 things that i thought were very doable that i was excited about adding and so then when people donate they can vote if you donate uh any any amount you get three votes and if you donate uh, uh 20 or more then you get six votes about letting me know which things you'd like to work on and it's actually so the voting is actually pretty close and uh, and of course it's it's not like you know, it's it's going to be a timeline. So once I'm done with the first one, I'll move on to the second one. So like, you know, even if your thing isn't the first item, it can it can move up. But definitely, a few votes here or there as we get close to the end can make a difference on which things get focused on. And uh, and it's really interesting to see what people, you know, what they want. There were some things I thought, oh, everyone's going to vote for this that aren't as popular, and then other things are just like you know that you clearly people want to see. Well, I don't want to. Uh use up our time talking exclusively about the cool mobile app and online tools. So let's talk about the adventure modules, particularly the, the, the two newest, shiniest things, which is the Sunken <laughs> City Omnibus and uh, Nevin Pendlebrook's Perilous Pantry, which, uh, shockingly, was not written by you. 
No, it's like, actually, you know, that, and this has been a really fascinating process. It's like, you know, I've talked in the past about working with other people, you know, and it's, you know, it's really fat. If you go back and you read from the very first blog entry about me talking about Purple Sorcerer games, you know, I spoke in the Royal We, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's always been basically just me and my son, you know, he's done some of the uh, paper miniatures and things, but you know, but it's, it's basically just me, but I always spoke in the Royal We because like, you never know where things are going to go. And so it's like, it's, it's us. And uh, so, but I've talked with people, you know, actually, you know, some of the people you've had on the show, you know, have discussed things, but always, you know, between my health and schedules has never worked out. And uh, so about, I forgot, I forgot, you know, how long ago it was, but I got an email from, from a guy who liked my adventures and he had a, and Mark Bishop and he had a suggestion for an adventure. And normally I was, you know, I've been basically been saying, well, you know, thank you. And, and, you know, it's a great idea. And I'd give him advice about stuff, but say, I just don't, you know, at this point I can't, you know, really do that. And I thought, well, you know, it actually, it's, it'd be nice to kind of share the load a little bit. And uh, I liked, I liked the sound of the adventure that he'd submitted. And so, like then he, I told him, well, you know, uh, send me in like a more in-depth thing, and and I'll let you know. And uh, so we got working. So it's it's been a real fascinating process to actually to not be, you know, to not be the writer and just do the editing and the layouts and and some of the and a lot of the images, uh, but. It was it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and uh, so I think definitely I'll be doing more of that. And the reception for the adventure has been really good, and uh, uh, people seem to really enjoy it. It's uh, another zero level funnel, and uh, it's it definitely it has you know Mark's the writer, so it has a different feel than than my stuff. But I think it has a lot of similarities, and it's it's somewhat whimsical, somewhat whimsical. But then also there's some really dark elements, and can and also do, can you do oh, like the elevator pitch for the premise? So. Oh, uh, well, it's uh, uh, Nevin Pendlebrook. Uh, he's he's vanished. You're, you're you're all in a small community, and and this local halfling who everybody likes, a nice guy, has vanished. And then so then when the constable went to look at his home, they found there's like a tunnel leading down into darkness, and then no sign of Nevin. And so the constable went down to look. He's gone as well. And so now all the local villagers have gathered together, and now they're going to go search for their friend to see what has happened. And uh, so it's also one thing about the adventures. Anyone who's played like like the last of the Sunken City adventures, like Ooze Pits of Jonas Skrulk or uh, A Gathering of the Mark, know that they they were getting pretty ex- extensive. Uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, how many sessions did you get out of out of uh, Ooze oh, Pits? Shoot. I got uh, a lot of sessions out of it. I mean, it. it Your campaign probably... started with this setting, right? Yeah, we started with Sunken City. In fact, we started with Perils of the Sunken City initially, and then I weaved it into the Ooze Pits of Jonas Grouk. And uh, we probably spent five, six sessions on it, probably, I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we were there for a while going through it, but yeah, a lot so, of it still comes up. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's you know, so it's it's not like, like the traditional, the whole dungeon, you know, the whole dungeon crawl mythos of like, you know, it's a one session kind of thing. So when I got this adventure from Mark, I thought, well, I'll start a whole new line of adventures called these instant action adventures. And, and he spent a lot of time running this at demos and things to make sure that it was completable in four hours. And, uh, which I thought was a, which was, was a cool alternative to the kind of things that I've been producing, uh, recently. And so I think that's what I'm kind of marking. And also it's like, I did it in the six by nine format, which was just, you know, the producing the the omnibus, which which you know, we could talk about, but the omnibus is full color, ninety six pages. The print process of getting that was 
was really, really demanding because it's like there's just so many things that can go wrong with your bleeds and, you know, the colors and all the stuff. Whereas, you know, producing this uh, six by nine black and white was just like such a breath of fresh air that it's like I'm really tempted to do more of those kind of things because it's a really – and when I got the proof back in the mail – and you hold on one of those little six by nine. I mean, it, it it triggers something, you know. It's like this this little bundle of goodness, you know. So it's like I had a lot of fun working on it. Hell yeah, it does. I, I, I have a special compliment just for Mark Bishop. Uh, I mean, the writing and the adventure are all fantastic. But I'm personally very uh, uh, admiring of his uh, map because we've all looked at the sort of uh, – Force perspective way Doug Kovacs does the maps in the DCC modules, and I imagine most of us have given it a shot at one point or another, and I don't have the skills to, to quite pull it off. And, uh, I mean, it's not like he's imitating Doug, but it's, it's, it's the same approach, and I loved his little map in that. Yeah, that's actually the first thing he sent me, and and that was like that was kind of like the real clincher that I was going to take it seriously because I'm like, this is a really nice map, <laughs> and uh, and you know his, his his introduction was good, and then he had that fantastic map, and you know and it was you know it's like and I I was like churning out the monster graphics, and he's like, well, I can try and I can try and you know come up with some some images, and he did like all of the you know like the the hero pictures, I call them, you know, the one where you actually got multiple heroes in the shot. He did all those drawings and he did, he did a great job. They have a wonderful, wonderful, really good old school feel. And, uh, so yeah, good job, Mark. I got a question for you, John. Yes. Uh, on that topic, how many artists do you usually have involved? Zero. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like with, that was one of the things like when I talked about that, like with the zero investment part of it, I actually, and I remember Jeff Jeffrey's kind of touched on this a little bit. Like I know with with his series of uh, your your mini adventures, Jeffrey, where you yep. like you were just you were just going to go with a real plain cover, yep. and because uh, you know with as as far as like the sales are concerned, and the and f- for my thing, it's like I didn't feel comfortable paying an artist less than what they really deserve. And I'm sure I'm sure Jim can can you know, I, you know uh, paying them less than what they deserve. I could I could. I could cheat myself, you know, but, but I would feel really bad about like, you know, an, another really skilled artist. And so that's from the start. Uh, I just, that one of the reasons why, you know, so I did, I've did all the art for everything up until Nevin's pen work. I mean, every, every bit of it, all the writing, all the layout, all the art, everything was me. And part of it was, and one of the reasons why I chose the style I did with uh, the sunken city adventures, you know, they're kind of like these little cartoon guys. Well, it's because the way that there were, there were things that I could actually produce in small enough amounts of time that was actually I was actually going to be able to do it because you know it's like it's all me and so like I mean like you know I didn't I didn't have like someone taking care of the art for me while I was doing the writing I understand know? exactly what you're saying because my, na- <laughs> my natural style is very big foot and cartoony can I sit buckle down and do some straight up fantasy <laughs> illustration I can kill myself spend an enormous amount of time and come <laughs> yeah. up with something that's one tenth as good as uh, Jeff D you know so why would I do that <laughs> You know that that's that's freakish, Jim, because that's exactly. I mean, like what I, I've thought about this before. This, that's exactly what I would say. I'm I'm perfectly capable of doing the more traditional art, but it just takes me forever. And I knew that like I would never actually get stuff done. And one of the reasons why I like this this latest adventure, the the, the against the vortex temple, is I wanted to do a different style. But it, again, it's got to be something that is like easy for me to to reproduce and to crank out. And uh, so. Uh, yeah, so like yeah, so that's Jen, that's why uh I've basically always did my own stuff. Now I've had I've had a number of artists, really good artists, you know, contact me and I would love to do some stuff in the future with uh 
with uh, artists, but it's, it just be it have to be the right kind of project. Well, let's talk a little bit about the omnibus, and I'm I'm gonna uh, put you on the spot for a second because uh, when uh, I first got into DCC it was right as Perils of the Sunken City came out, and I I so I walked into third party stuff already being published, and boom, I bought it instantly because I'm just collecting every DCC thing I can get my hands on. <laughs> so I, I order it, it shows up in the mail, and I'm ooh, and then you know you had already previewed that this is going to be the next one, the one after that, and I was very excited until they started coming out and they were PDF only. I realize I'm not representative of maybe even the largest part of your marketing segment, but I want I want both. I, it's not I pre, it's not that I prefer print. I like having the digital because it's very handy to have, but I I want to run a game from a print copy. So I sat out uh, the next couple of three modules, and now this omnibus comes along where you, it's not just it comes in print and digital, but you can get it in hardback if you want. And yeah. mine hasn't gotten here yet, but I ordered that puppy the second I saw it. <laughs> so I, there's obviously you've talked some about it already. There's 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 the tension between um, the production difficulties of digital versus print. Yeah, it's um, and actually it was kind of a shocker when when I first did uh, uh, perils uh, about like you know how you you have to you have to plan from the very beginning if you're going with print because it's like you know. I, you know, I don't want to get in, you know, too much about like just the, but the format of the images, about how you know, you, with the the amount of color you can use, especially for the color pieces. Well, you need that it, gutter on opposite sides of every other page, which yeah, you, don't, you, have, you don't need in digital. Yeah, I mean, you, you you have to do those things. You have to do. There's stuff with like you know the percentage of the ink colors in the images that will bounce. You know, the the printer will bounce your piece if it has too much, and so you have to go through, and you have to check these things from the very beginning and so it's like it is you know i remember early on some people were saying well you know even like why do people even charge like an extra dollar for the print piece you know i should get the the uh, you know the pdf and the print for free well i did that with sunken with the sunken city because it's a you know it's a more expensive piece but like for the smaller ones when it's like you know the profit margin there's a lot of hours which go into preparing the print one now i, I mean Ouspitz came out fairly soon uh well you know one of the reasons why you know i didn't print out uh, uh a gathering of the mark or Larry the mistman create print pieces for them is because the omnibus was kind of looming and was going to come out and uh so that's why uh you know i didn't do a print one of those but yeah so yeah it's a real balancing act because i don't i know that there are definitely people out there that they want that print piece and uh, but, you know, but it is it is quite a bit of additional work. But right now, my workflow is set up that from the very beginning, I'm thinking print piece, you know, and, and actually Nevin is the first one I've ever done where the print and the PDF came out at the same time. And uh, so it's just like right from the start, because before I've done this, this dance where I'll say, if you buy the PDF, I'll give you a discount to be able to buy the print piece. And that gets amazingly time consuming, sending out codes to people. I'm like, so I'm just going to wait. Just wait until they're both ready, and then, like you know, people can just get what they get what they need. Well, I really want to pimp, pimp the sunken, sunken City Omnibus hard for people who might be interested in it because there are a lot of things on the podcast. We get constant emails of, "I want a campaign setting, I want uh, a patron, more patrons," and the Omnibus has got you know three level zero adventures, a level one adventure, a really nice patron write up who. You got some freelance mook to do that. Who was that? Yeah, some guy named Jeffrey Tadlock did something. (laughs) (laughs) Malock the anti-world tree. That was awesome. Yeah, it was like I was so... 
I was so thrilled when Jeff when Jeffrey provided that, you know, because it's like they. I mean, anyone who knows if you're out there, you're running your own campaign and you're creating your own. And uh, and Jeff did a, did a fantastic job. And a new hey, I have one more question on the omnibus too. Is um, what, what's the difference between the premium and standard color? Well, actually, I did a video, and and I thought that it was really really important for people to understand the difference. And it's actually I actually did a video which shows the different versions. And uh, primarily, the the standard versions have uh, much thinner paper, and uh, so the inks, you know, it doesn't pop nearly as much. Uh, you get a little bit of like because you know, like you know the omnibus is like it's all full color, and so you'll get a little bit of saturation of the ink on the pages. So it'll be you'll get a little bit of that waver, and the premium version just looks much much sharper uh so um it's like primarily really the the two things i i mean i I've, I've kind of steered people away from like the hardcover standard because then you're kind of paying a premium price and the you know the the quality is perfectly fine but it's nothing compared to how good the the, the premium version looks and so primarily the standard is for cause you can get the standard soft cover for you know i think it's only like you know seven dollars more than buying the pdf you know and i think for most of us you know we can't for a 96 page full color thing we can't print it home really and then you get the you know the nice binding and the and the color cover uh but the the premium versions you know they just they look a lot sharper than the the standard but they're there i did the standards for the folks who are a little bit more cost conscious did we miss anything that covers it did we miss anything (laughs) you, you wanted to pimp john uh I mean, did you want any like a super secret product plan kind of stuff? You know, first reveal. Yes, we thing? do. Absolutely. <laughs> Is, was that a trick question? <laughs> Give. How, how, how many stats do I have to burn to get that? Oh, I'm happy to share stuff. But you know, if I was to reveal secret things, well, you know, I've had a couple really big projects in plan for a while, and one of the reasons why is like, well, when I got. You know, when I had my first real bad stretch of health, I thought, well, maybe I, I should focus on, you know, much smaller doable projects, you know, like, a, you know, and in some ways, I think the instant action adventures kind of fall into that way. And so I can actually announce that the next instant action adventure is going to be one that I'm writing. It's called um, um, Corpse World of the Carrion King. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and, uh, Sounds promising. If that does yeah, what it, it says it, on the tin. <laughs> it it, you know it and it's got some cool stuff in it so uh and you know and i really uh so that's what i'm going to be working i'm i'm already you know doing the you know structural you know conceptual layout on it and then i will do uh that'll come out after uh against the vortex temple um but then like but but still it's always been in the back of my mind these these big projects and this kind of ties into what you talked about early jen with having you know third-party artists and you know i did kickstarter with the um with the uh, crawler and then which was you know for what you know for what it was trying to do was hugely successful i mean if we hadn't run that kickstarter then you know we would not have the crawler as it exists today because it allowed me that money allowed me to buy the laptop which let me publish to the to the itunes store for the ipad version it let me buy the mobile devices to be able to test on i mean no kickstarter you know no crawler that's really what it comes down to um, but then, you know, but then the, the obligations of fulfilling the Kickstarter when I, cause I got really, really sick right after we started and, uh, right, you know, right after it went live. And, uh, you know, so that was, it was tremendous, tremendous challenge then getting everything completed on a, on a schedule because my health was just, you know, so, so sketchy. And so then I vowed, you know, I would never do that. 
but then with these larger projects, I know that I, you know, this, this strategy I've had in the past of doing all my own graphics, I was able to do like the 96 page Sunken City Omnibus because I basically in, did it in individual parts for each adventure. But there was no, there's no way that I'd be able to do some of these bigger projects without, without, uh, uh, additional artists coming in help, and I've talked to talked to some already. So you know, if I do, and, and they would be source books. Uh, I've had two in mind, and I'll have to decide which one I want to do. Uh, but if I do the, the source books, then it's gonna. I I would write basically the entire thing, and then the Kickstarter would just be to provide the the fees for the really good artists and things like that. So I know I'd, I'd have all of my stuff out of the way before we even started. But I think, yeah, so one of them, Jeff, one of the projects, this is the first time I've ever talked about it, one of the projects that of those two is uh, uh, doing a source book for The Great City, which I, you know, because, like, if you've read, like, the um, the uh, items for, like, you know, the... Uh, the way it was before or the actual Great City ruins that are underneath everything? A combination of just like it'll be like you know the whole point is like it'll be different kind of a thing because it it needs to be like one of the reasons why I called it the great city was that it had to be uh, that anybody could just whatever worked in your campaign any sort of great city you could use and uh, so I wanted it to be generic but I so I'm going to create something that is flexible and like generic in the sense that you'll be able to adapt it to a bunch of different purposes and yet but not seeming like something that's just sterile and generic, you know? So, cause like, you know, I think like the one thing that I'm going to have in all of my adventures that I write is like, is personality. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's what I do. You know, I think other people are like, you know, much better about like, you know, you know framing exciting environment stuff. But if, if one thing I'm going to do is it's going to have personality. So, so I'm trying to strike this balance of it having personality, but also being kind of a skinnable, adjustable, thing for that can fit a lot of purposes and you know so if if i you know if i really start getting serious on that then you know then i'll begin working with some outside you've got magic items in your adventures called the lead chicken of occasional wisdom (laughs) and grumbles grumbles sinister spoon so i don't think you have to worry about the personality quotient yeah, and that's that's what's fun, you know. I mean, it's just like that's that's you know, it's like and, and, and so I thought the idea, like we all loved, you know. I, I remember when I was really young, and then like you know, City State of the Invincible Overlord, and and those came out, and and I don't know, if, and, and, you know, and some of uh, I think I got Tarantus was the one I actually ended up buying, which was kind of dull, you know. But but uh, but but so but the whole concept of like having like a whole city stuffed full of interesting personalities, and I, and I don't know, like if you've read if you've read the Omnibus. There's like these these stories from this uh, uh, this salesman guy. Now my mind's got completely blank. I can't even remember. Orkoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Honest Orkoff. <laughs> Honest Orkoff, and and he tells these these rambling uh, things describing adventure opportunities for game for for judges, and uh, I have so much fun writing those because it's just it's just basically straight up coming up with stuff, you know, and, and it is so much fun. So I thought, well, I could do like a city with just like, and I, I love naming places, these mysterious names for places in the city and, and uh, neighborhoods and things like that. So I thought that'd be a blast to just kind of blow. And then like, you know, describe the sewers, describe the history of like, you know, different things that have happened all in these little bite-sized chunks that judges can like use if it's in their campaign or like adapt or skin. If it doesn't, you know, just make it very flexible and, and useful and functional. I think that'll be very useful. I know, I mean, everyone knows I'm pretty much 
basing my campaign out of, out of the sunken city area and the fact that you just used a city called the great city pretty much even though it wasn't detailed in any of the earlier stuff was sort of i could drop any city behind that yeah. wall and use it and that's what i did i was like oh okay well, i'm gonna take this city and drop it uh, marry them together and then there i go so it, that'll be awesome to have a, a resource that fits in there but uh yeah, so I, I, that, that approach really helped, and it's probably one of the big things that steered me towards Sunken City to launch my own campaign when when I did it. I felt like it gave me the backdrop to, one, run varied adventures because of the Sending Stones, which was awesome, uh, and two, because there was a city of substantial size that wasn't detailed enough that I couldn't just steal a city from anywhere and drop it in and use that for the backdrop to get me going, so... Yeah, I mean, th- and thanks. I mean, that's that's exactly what it was designed for. Because, like, I know I've had some, you know, I have some resource books, which are so specific that it's either you kind of have to go with it, or yep. you just you really can't use it. And so, like, I just want to kind of expand that thing out so you've got just like you know basically a full, you know, omnibus size thing full of that kind of information. Yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be a Jeffrey. Great. You just reminded me of the Sending Stones. Those are going in my campaign. <laughs> well, you know, oh, it's it, yeah, they're I mean, awesome. It, I mean, it's, it, you know, really honestly, it makes it, I mean, because part of the reason why is because it's just like if you have an adventure, you know, it doesn't have to be mine, you know, that you just want to get the players to, especially because I, you know, I kind of described this at the start of the omnibus. You know, Joseph's whole idea is that, like, you know, at zero level, you know, you, you know, you can barely afford anything. You know, so how are these people supposedly supposed to be traveling across the continent? You know, they can't afford mounts. They can't afford any of these things. But this gives you the opportunity to just send them right into a dungeon straight away. It's, and it's, I think that, it's only polite to teleport them to where you're going to start slaughtering them. Yeah. <laughs> there's, and, and, you know, and one thing, there's another secret thing is, is like, you know, there's going to be a major, you know, and, I, and I'm not sure which adventure it's going to be in. There's going to be a major exploration of Sender and the whole thing behind that. It's going to be in, in one of the adventures. I'm really excited about doing that, too. Because like the whole, because you know, like if, you know, for, if, if you've read the Sunken City stuff, there's the Sending Stones. So there's powered by this demon tasked with with uh you know sending you know transporting people and he's kind of you know you know he takes this job sort of seriously but then also he can be you know cruel depending on his mood and stuff about what happens to people when they arrive you know but like you know so but i i thought wow it'd be a great idea to do an adventure that was just kind of specifically about what's going on with sender i think that'd be fun see i i heard teleport pads and an insane ai that's kind of cranky <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> well, we, John, I think this episode could probably be a couple hours longer, but we better wrap it up. Oh. We're going to move to a part of the show that I know you're going to find interesting. It's called Patron Bond, and it's where we rate whatever we've been reviewing or talking about <laughs> each oh, episode. No. <laughs> so let's do that. Who are you? Your new lord and master. What board is from mortal, my lord? Oh, don't trouble. One thing I can't stand is people groveling. Patron Bond. Okay, Patron Bond, where we, uh, four judges, will typically do what judges do. We'll judge. We uh, usually uh, rate what we've just talked about, awarding it uh, in descending order, like armor class should be. A critical hit, a hit, a miss. Or a fumble. So let's go around and uh, rate the Purple Saucer line of print, digital modules, and online tools. This should be pretty easy. Go. Well, I can go, go first. Ahead. Oh, <laughs> I beat you. 
Just like okay. Guys for this show. I beat you again, Jeffrey. <laughs> Joe, you won initiative. Go. Critical hit. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, if you're not already using the tools, um, then you probably just don't know that you're using John's tools because <laughs> your DM printed out, um, you know, level zeros from his site or something like that. So. <laughs> if, if you're in DCC, um, you know, uh, you you owe, um, you know, a debt of gratitude to John. And thank you, John, for all of it you've done for the community. Well, thank you, Joe. Uh, definitely. Jen? Uh, I will go with a critical hit as well. I mean, it, it got to the point just this past weekend where with the zero-level generators, the players were picking the characters based on their occupations and completely forgot to even look at the stats until the first combat came around. <laughs> so it was beautiful. Um, I would love to uh, personally get my hands on more of those judge tools and be able to enter in all of the combats and everything. And I know there's a lot of people that actually prefer to run things on their mobile devices. So being able to run a game on a tablet would be a perfect fit for some judges. And yeah, I'm kind of on the cusp of do I want to be pen and paper or device? So I'd love to give that a a deeper look since you said it it's one of the recent uh things that you've upgraded again. Um and the the books and the settings and everything, yeah, critical hit all around. Thank Jeff- you. Jeffrey? And I'm, of course, a critical hit. My whole online campaign is pretty much based off of the start of some of the the, the sunken city and perils of sunken city and ooze pits of Jonas Grok. So uh, adventure-wise and the, the regional setting, it sort of gave me out of the gate uh, to get started, well, almost, well, shoot, almost two years ago now, uh, it has been awesome. And then the tools, of course, are great. I keep a stack of them in my backpack, so if there's ever a game that whirls up, I can easily start doling out zero-level characters. Uh, anytime I, you know, Gary Khan, there was zero level guys getting handed out, you know, by people that came from purple, purple sorcerer. Uh, so the tools are great. Uh, they critical hit. Definitely. Well, in a shocking turn of events, it's a critical hit <laughs> for me too, John. And I, ra- I, I ran a post-apocalyptic, uh, character funnel at Gary Khan and every single player that bitched about their level zero stats, I put the blame on you. I'm like, Hey, I generated them in purple saucer. Don't blame me. <laughs> Yeah, actually, when it first came out, when I, the people were like, "I think there's something wrong," you know, with your with your formula that these stats are so crappy, and I'm like, "Actually, no," because like you can actually that's why I added where it shows the average stat in little tiny print across the top mm-hmm. because we're we're so used to you know four dice six drop one that the actual actually having negatives across the board a lot of the times it's just shocking. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I try to limit mine to a, an overall negative five for the sheet, you know, negative five or, or greater. <laughs> I'm like, having spoken to you for 30 seconds, I don't think you're going to have any problem role-playing that seven personality. <laughs> oh. Go for it. No, I don't know. <laughs> but, all right. So, critical hit. It's unanimous. 
Well, thanks. Oh, real, real quick, thank you guys so much. Is like, I mean, and this is kind of like this is what I've gotten, you know, for two years from people that they've been so kind, and it's like, and I can't, I can't explain, you know, how much that motivates me to keep working on things. No, but I forgot to mention, guys, that, that like uh, uh, we talked earlier about like designs, and uh, one of the you know new ones that's really fantastic is the Metal Gods of Urhadad uh, with, uh, and so uh, Adam and. Uh, contacted me that he talked with Edgar and Wayne and they're when they release an issue then they a portion of their proceeds go toward like a cause and they very kindly that the for this issue that that's going to be going toward the pledge drive for the tools and so like when that comes out you know that's another opportunity for people to help support uh the the tools so which I and issue, and it's issue number two get, go buy it yeah go buy it well thanks for being on the show John I think that'll wrap it up for tonight remember Never split the party unless the party's already split. See you, everyone. Night, guys. Bye-bye. And we're out. The Spellburn Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. The Spellburn theme music is provided by the band Glitter Wizard. You can find them at glitterwizard.bandcamp.com. Guest of the show stayed at the fabulous Sunken City Hilton and received gift certificates for Honest Urkoff's Barter and Supply. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Spellburn.